Welcome back to the Mario Mancini show. This is Mario's show, Bob, that he does once a month, and you are his special guest today. Well, at least he has a show. This is cheap. <laughs> this is not my show. He always, every time I come on, he says that. It's not my show. I had a show once, but it usually involved getting drunk in bars, but we won't talk about that. Yeah. <laughs> I'd be good. I'd be good at that as well, me being Irish and all. Oh, you're, you're, you're sticking with the stereotype. Yeah, well, it's true. You've seen what I was up to when I went to America last year in Dallas. One week of drinking. You missed the curtain when you got home. Mm-hmm. No, no. I mean, it's in our DNA. We do be fine. I gave up drinking when my I gave up drinking when my wife finally left. I realized how much better it was sober without her. <laughs> you know, it was that you got that saying: "Such is life without a wife, and better without one." You know, it's true. It's the best thing, worst thing that ever happened to me. Well, <laughs> they got to be out there somewhere, right? That's what they say, but uh, I'm not looking. I'm a, I'm an old man now. Oh, I don't know. I, I There's one particular in California that, you know, I've been talking to for, well, I met her back in 87 in uh, San Diego, California. So uh, I got to count to three just to roll over in bed. So there's a little bit of problem there. Oh, uh, yeah, I hear you. <laughs> Definitely hear that. Yeah. You do it. Um, do any conventions? No, they don't ask losers like me to do conventions. Listen. I'd be I'd be Virgil 2.0. I'd be sitting there to be, oh, who's this guy? Look at that. I'd be sitting at a convention. I wonder who was dumb enough to pay him to be here. Uh, yeah, listen. Man. Oh, he must have bought himself in and lost money. But listen, I call I call myself the, uh, on the lowest chain uh, 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 on the lowest level of the wrestling food chain, and nobody's a bigger loser than I am. <laughs> So, I think you're being harsh on yourself, Bob. Yeah, nobody's no, a bigger I'm, loser than me, Bob. I'm, prob I'm probably a bigger loser than he is. He gets asked to conventions. Do I get asked to conventions? No, I get asked to conventions. I say, Bob, why don't you come by and say hi? Your friends are here. Okay, that's great. Is it going to cost me money or make me money? Neither one. I'll be there. It doesn't work. If some, of, I swear to God, if I was just that much more famous, or I could fake a smile and sign a sloppy autograph and take a picture. For money, I would do it every weekend. I don't like people, particularly wrestling fans, but I can pretend along with the rest of them. We've been in a business of pretending for 100 years. <laughs> I can continue it to the day I die. Sign me up, anybody willing to bring me in. Hey, look, I wrestled all the great legends, probably the same legends that Mario wrestled. Uh, or, yeah, I, and you know what? <laughs> Even one territory, you, you went to all of them. I had fun. That's all I know. I'm not bitter in any way. I had the best time of my life. Fans can think of me as a jobber or an enhancement talent. I hate those terms. I know you guys are going to be surprised. I'll tell you right now on national, wherever this is being shown, what is the proper term? Does anybody know? Jobber. No, the proper term is professional wrestler because I was trained by the great Malenko. I was trained how to work properly. I was a professional wrestler. I had the proper gear. I laced up my wrestling boots. I traveled the road, stayed in a hotel, slept with the same wrestlers the superstars did. I just didn't spend as much money on them, you know, because they got more money than I did. You know, that's a good point. 
So I like to turn, ask Barry Horowitz if he's a jobber, and he'll spit in your face and tell you why he's not. He probably won't spit in your face, but he'll politely, loudly tell you why he's not. No, no, Horowitz, Horowitz likes enhancement talent. I don't like being called enhancement talent because it sounds like I'm a human Viagra. <laughs> like what's funny? Talent. What's funny is they never used that term years ago. No. You know. And when I, I never had a problem, they never, when I worked for WCW for almost eight years, they never had a dress room that said jobbers, enhancing talent, extras. I dressed with Terry Funk. I dressed with the superstars. I dressed wherever I wanted. Everybody treated me with respect. So I like to turn pro wrestler. (laughs) You're right. I'm going to steal that from because I dressed with Hogan and Warrior and Savage and all those guys. And, you know, it's just that. Yeah, you have to admit, Bob, even though we dressed with all of them, you can feel the separation. Well, of course, you didn't travel with them. You weren't as close to them as you were the buddies you travel with. You know, it's like the people you hang around, they're your friends. And... It's just a plain matter of respect because you, you weren't over. Yeah. But a history lesson that most people don't understand, especially wrestling fans, is that of the thousands and thousands of wrestlers throughout the hundred plus years of professional wrestling, very few become stars, fewer become superstars, and even fewer than that become legends. Think about it. How many people in the history of wrestling have actually drawn money? How many people on every card has actually been there and the people in the front row are there to see them? Very few in the grand scheme of schemes. Very few. Every place, every spot on the card has to be filled, and you should just appreciate you're there. And, you know, Strongbow was like a second father to me. And, and uh, as Steve Kern just told me, asked me last week, he goes, was there a problem with your first one? I go, no. <laughs> I go, Strongbow was my second father. He goes, was there a problem with your first one? I go, no. <laughs> That's the way Malenko was to me and all the guys that he trained. He was like our second father, you know. Strongbow was would hold up his hand and go, me and Senior can count on one hand the guys that make money in this business. And I used to go, save this finger for me, Chief. And of course, <laughs> yeah. a lot of ambition, you know. So, Bobby, But, you know, everybody... Everybody has their own outlook. Everybody has their own outlook on everything. But to me, I was a pro wrestler. Yeah, I wasn't a superstar. I was in a few main events here and there, but that doesn't mean nothing. And I didn't get rich. And I have a bad back. And I need hip replacements. And my knees hurt. If you saw me get up, you'd laugh, as opposed to just laughing to me at me right now without showing me you're laughing at me. But I loved my time in wrestling. So I'll stick up for it until the day I die, which will be in about an hour, because I got a noose and a gun right there. Right over here. Look. Oh, for fuck's sake. <laughs> well, I tell you, you you segued you segued into something. Yes. Um. The hip replacement and everything. So, I did the '80s con, and this isn't this isn't not this is not my character. I mean, I'm usually a lot smarter than this. Um. I don't know if it's because a documentary was following my Roma and myself walking into the place. I, I don't know why my brain shifted to this, but open foot, insert mouth, feel about that big, about that big. I've and been there. I couldn't apologize more. So I have met Randy on this show, Randy Hogan, and I just love Randy Hogan. He's a, he's just a great guy. He's, he's yeah, so I, 
I know Randy, yeah. Yeah, great spirit, just a nice guy. So I'm finally going to get to meet him in person. And Rome and I walked into the, to the convention. They made us walk back out. They had to change cameras, change lenses. So I'm looking at my watch, and it's 5 of 11. And I said, you know, I understand we're doing this documentary, but the reason why I'm here is to do this gig, you know, and it starts at 11. I got to be at my table. A promoter, Scott Wilder, hired me to sit there and sign autographs. And you know what I mean? I got to be on time. So we end up walking in and I, I spot Randy and he, he sees me and he gets up and he starts walking toward me with a walker. And I go, man, this guy's taking it all the way. I mean, yeah, yeah, yeah. He didn't even I, take all those leg drops for 30 years. What's up with that, Randy? I mean, the alternative didn't even enter my mind. It was weird, maybe because I was in wrestling, I was in my element. You know what I mean? I don't know what it was. I have no excuse, but the alternative didn't even enter my mind. So he's walking to me towards Walker, and I got connected that it's Randy Hogan. Hulk Hogan's in his 70s. He had hip replacements. Well, actually, he's, six, he's 69. Let's not get crazy. Well, uh, you know, it, it, like he had a hard number. Hip replacements, you know, he's making fun of an old Hulk Hogan, right? So now we don't talk that much. And he it's his table, Rita Marie, myself, and then Roma. So um at one point I leaned back and got Randy's attention. Here's the big one, the big foot and mouth. So I go, I lean back and I look at him and I go. I had surgery last year, man. I got one of those at home. I should have brought mine. We could have walked around here together with them. And, you know, he must have been going like, what an asshole. You know what I mean? <laughs> he's on cheap. He's going, I love you, man. See, I'm going, I love you too. You know what I mean? It's just, I'm not that kind of guy. I'm not, I'm not that guy. So now the thing's over. I really don't see him leave. And we go to all, you know, Scott takes the whole crew out to dinner that he hired after. The I show. saw that picture. And I'm standing in the lobby, and he comes walking into the restaurant with the walker. And I go, that's a shoe? Want <laughs> to work? He goes, no. And this is Scott's favorite line. This is Wilder's favorite line. He goes, Randy goes, if I was going to do a work, why would I do it with a walker? I'm like, <laughs> I thought it was... I thought it was a work. I go, I feel horrible. I apologize whole time during dinner. And he was really good about it. I mean, Randy, just a great, he was really good about it. And he knew how sorry I was, but maybe he doesn't because now I come home, you know, the next day, Sunday, and I'm home. And, you know, I'm, I'm looking at my Facebook and, you know, Randy sent me a walker. I'm like, come on, man. I'm so <laughs> I'm so sorry, Randy. I'm so sorry. And Wilder's sending me a walker. He, he's going, sensitive prick. How dare you? I'm like, I feel, I'm really never, I'm not like that. I'm like, I just, not my personality. I, I, I just, I, I just, I, I thought it was a work. I thought the walker was a work. And it, it, it's, it's, I still feel horrible. So I, you know, a, 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 um, a, a heartfelt apology to Randy Hogan on on a global level here, since we're from Ireland, 
is this is a global apology on my part to Rainy Hope, brother. I, I'm usually, you know, I don't know why I didn't think of the alternative that it could have been a shoot. I just thought it was a work. I just, I just thought it was a work. Well, you know, some of those jobbers took a beating in their day. Um, you know, make, it makes you think that maybe Hulk Hogan is Randy Hogan's living voodoo doll. I don't know. Kind of weird. I, I don't know. I mean, I mean, I, I don't know. I Listen, I was, I was Kern's debut match as Skinner, so we're watching the match. And if you watch the match, and it happened every time, except with Taker on his debut. Taker was light. He just wasn't nervous. But guys like Bundy, may rest in peace. Uh, my, I love him to death. And, you know, these guys, I guess, they get nervous a little bit. You know what I mean? But I, I don't know if Steve was nervous or he just didn't care. But he, he took it to me that match, you know. And we're watching the match for two minutes, and he shakes his head. And he goes, I go, what's wrong? He goes, I can see that I gave you way too much. <laughs> I must do and, and he didn't give me a damn thing. I mean, I didn't even touch him with a fingernail. He just kicked the shit out of me. And he looks at me and goes, I could see that I gave you too much in this. <laughs> so, um, you know, and then Kern, Steve Kern, you didn't have Steve Kern on your show. You didn't have Steve Kern on your show. You got, you got to get, you, you, that was not Steve Kern. Oh, you mean I have to meet him in in real life, no. not, not in virtual? He is. He's just. Yeah. Oh, Steve's a good. Bob Bob worked with him. Steve's a great guy. What am I? He's a good good friend of mine. You know, we we see each other at our legends lunches in Tampa every three months. And uh, oh my God, he was great. You just know, a great guy. He had Roma and I on the floor because with a straight face, he did this. So I said, you know. We were talking about people, and they, they brought up Valentine. I go, that was my debut match, July 31st, 1984. I go, I asked them for a comeback, and Valentine said, yeah, I'll give you a comeback when you submit from the figure four. Get off the canvas and come back to the dressing room. <laughs> and the minute I got the M out of my mouth of just dressing room, <laughs> Steve looked me dead in the face, poker-faced, and he goes, were you able to get that in? <laughs> Roma just lost his shit. He, I, we both did. I mean, Steve Kern, what, one of the nicest guys, but one of the funniest guys I was ever around. I mean, yep. he's just so quick witted. He's just so. He's a great. He's a great storyteller too, and he's also he's also a great speech giver. Even though he doesn't give himself credit for it, but I've always told him he is. Yeah, I mean, just he's he's just a terrific human being. I. I I can't. I, I hope I do another one with him because I just, you know, I hope he's at WrestleCon in in Philly because then I'll get to spend like three days, you know, out and stuff and, and really, really. Yeah, I worked. I worked with him a ton a ton of times here in Florida. I'm proud to say he was never stiff with me and he never hurt me and he always let me get some stuff in. So hey, <laughs> oh, no, he didn't hurt me. He didn't hurt me at all. Yeah, I know. He's a great worker, grass but, wrestler. Sorry. But, Oh no! You know what I said to him on GP. I mean, I I I praised his wrestling so much. He's like Mario. I, you need to go on the road with me. So, um, because there, the, I mean, the me being the lowest level on the wrestling food chain have no right to have an opinion. But um, 
I think the WWE misused them. Everybody, everybody has a right to an opinion. Just because the president is president doesn't mean people below him can't see his mistakes or see him uh, doing things he shouldn't. And I'm not saying Steve ever did. I'm just saying you have a right to an opinion. No one will listen to you, but you have the right to it. (laughs) Right. They they, they misused him, man. I mean, what a great technical wrestler. One of the best in the business. And they just want them to go out there and smash people. And that was a waste of his talent. I mean, this guy was a, a, a master in the ring. You know what I mean? He was an excellent worker. And they, they yep. uh, my opinion. Well, well, they utilized his talent years later by spreading that knowledge that he wasn't able to show on their television show when he should have been able to to the students that went on to become superstars today here in Florida when he had the, the FCW power or was the training center before NXT. And, you know, having a guy like him around, geez, if you can't learn from Steve Kurt something else doing do something else in life because wrestling ain't your gimmick uh, right he, he oh, trained okay. roman reigns he's trained he didn't want right. to get credit for and rome rome is one of the best roman's one of the best yeah yeah i mean he, he i told him that too on cheap i said they finally gave you the restrict the respect you deserved at least they made him a trainer and an agent you know now I mean? the all the ultimate respect would be next year steve vince you're in the Hall of Fame. True. Mm-hmm. But they could do because Steve and Stan Lane are still alive. Do the fabulous ones. Who cares? Put him in there. Yeah. Come on. Yeah, they got to put him in there. He deserves to be. In there. There's no I, think, I think next year because Mania is in Philadelphia, though. I really think they're probably going to focus on the ECW side of things. Now, I may be wrong, but that's just what I'm thinking. Like who? I don't know. Like maybe the Sandman and. Nah, Sadu come on, come on, nah, it's not good. No, I don't know. I'm just, I'm just I'm thinking dri- that that's something they could do. Uh, I think uh, the Undertaker uh, is taking. Uh, yeah, guys, I really was going to answer that because <laughs> I had before like 20 minutes to five, I had called Tito Santana and left a message for him, and that was him calling me back. <laughs> um, Bob, I've got a question for you. You, you still kind of keep in contact with a lot. Or keep in touch with a lot of wrestling that's going on. One man that you fought before, Sting. There's rumors that he's going to do his final match over in the UK this year in the Wembley Stadium show for AEW. What was Sting like to work with? And would you like to see him bow out like that in front of a massive audience? I would like Sting to bow out however Sting wants to bow out. He deserves his own choice of exits. I mean, he's obviously a legend. When I worked with him, I don't know how many times, tons of times, he was easy as could be let you get your stuff in, which wasn't much. I knew my place, you know, I'd, I'd sit in a dressing room with Sting while he put the makeup on and I would basically call the match. Say what we're going to do. If he didn't like something, he change it. Most of the time he's just like, yeah, okay, okay, sure. And Sting saved me from getting yelled at by Bill Watts one night. So I'm always grateful to Sting because no one wants to get yelled at by the legendary Bill Watts. Even though I love Bill Watts, you don't want to get yelled, by, yelled at by him, you know? <laughs> Excellent. So if he wants to do it at Wembley, it's a great, obviously a great choice, no matter how, whether they sell out, don't sell out, huge crowd. So, you know, it's up to him, obviously. It'll probably be one of those things where he's like a month before he's going, yeah, I'm going to retire. Then two weeks before he goes, yeah, I feel pretty good. I don't think I want to retire. You know, it's like uh, Tom Brady. I don't watch football, but a guy like at the end of the season, you're like, God, I got, I'm sick of it. I don't want to go through the grind. I'm retiring. And you get home and you realize, oh, God, my wife wants a new Camaro. She wants a new Ferrari. She wants this. He's bitching and moaning. I'm playing football again next year. 
or your Ric Flair. And yeah, yeah, well, yeah, I won't talk about his last match. I, I got nothing bad to say about Flair, but I won't mention his last match because <laughs> <laughs> I did see it. Fortunately, I didn't pay for it, but I saw it. It was yeah, quite crazy. sad. Quite sad. God love him for wanting to do it. I mean, why not? I mean, Luthez wrestled into his late. Why well, like he had, didn't he have a match like in his early seventies, something like that in Japan. So who cares? It's wrestling. Do what you want. But something was wrong with Flair that day. He wasn't the Ric Flair that he should have been. That's for sure. He claims dehydration. Of all the claims, the guy that likes to drink a lot, he was dehydrated. Come on. Yeah, there was something a bit fishy about that one. He, he I think he, he made like near enough to a million dollars, didn't he, though, for that match, which is crazy. But he still threw better punches than most of the guys in the business today, so that's a good thing. Well, that's because... It's, it's a shame on them, but it's good for him. <laughs> they do this shit. They do that shit slap. Well, to be honest with you, I used to just slap my chest, but I didn't make it obvious. Unlike Bobby Eaton, who had a great punch, but he always made it obvious he was slapping his chest. No, no offense, Bobby. He was a great guy. Don't get me wrong. If, if I have a super kick out there, I'm going to puke. Yeah, you know what the problem is? If people stop slapping their legs for super kicks and there's no noise and the guys sell them, the crowds will bitch about that. Oh, my God, why is he shouting? I didn't even hear it. I, didn't see it. I saw it, but I don't think it hit because he didn't hear it. You can't make wrestling fans happy because they're un they're unhappy human beings. They're miserable human beings. Bob, they got smart enough. Well, then they should enjoy it even more. You know, I didn't ever quit liking wrestling when I was smart. I was glad when I went to the Great Malenko School. I was scared to death because I had only seen pictures of the Great Malenko in wrestling magazines with blood all over his head, beating each other people up with chains. You know, when I got to the school to find out that not only was he the nicest guy in the world. But wrestling was a work. I was like, oh, I'm going to like this even more. You know, I don't want to be a UFC fighter, which didn't exist in 1981. But I like my, I don't, I'll say it point blank. I like my pro wrestling fake that doesn't look fake. <laughs> That's what I like. Yeah. Guys today, guys today beat themselves up so bad. And the fans still, they might like it. They're enjoying it, but they still think it's fake. So you're going home with bruises and bumps, and which you did anyways by the natural progression of the, what the business is, but you don't need to go out there and do it more than, you know what I mean? Learn how to work and you don't got to stiff somebody. Malenko taught us the art of wrestling is to make it look real without being real, look stiff without being stiff. Nobody likes a crowbar except the ignorant wrestling fan who's sitting in the front row going, oh, I wish they hit each other harder. <laughs> I mean, I wrestle some of the toughest guys in the business, the Steiners, the Road Warriors, Kevin Sullivan, the Barbarian, the Warlord, all those guys. And never once did they say, hey, Bob, would you do me a favor? Hit me harder! You know? They never did that. Oh, I will say, I take that back. I was wrestling Bugs and McGraw one night at the LJ Knight, or whatever the hell it's called, center in Miami. And I gave him a form, and he goes, hit me harder. And I hit him harder. He goes, hit me harder. <laughs> so I hit him harder, and he said, hit me harder, cook! And I hit him hard, and when I got back to the dressing room, he goes, holy crap, I've never been hit that hard in my life. And I'm like, Bugs, you told me to hit you hard. But wow, he's a great guy, too, though. That's but he's life. the only person. Yeah, he's the only person I can think of that actually said, hit me harder. Gary <laughs> yeah. Funk. When I worked with Funk, he said, lay it in, kid. That's because he knew he was going to lay it into you, so he didn't want to feel bad. That's what he, <laughs> he goes, I hit you. Be right back, man. Don't worry. About I remember 
89 is my favorite year for WCW because that was the year of the bunker. You know, he came in, he attacked Flair and had that whole run. And I was there the whole time. So anytime I got a chance to hang around Terry Funk, I did because he was my favorite wrestler as a kid. And the reason I wanted to be a wrestler. So I hung around him as much as I could. And one night he was going to wrestle a friend of mine, one of the guys that traveled with me. His name was Paul Drake. And, and Terry's like, hey, Bob, what's this guy? Is he any good? Is he okay? And I said, yeah, he is okay. He goes, he says, come over here, lock up with me. So he locked up with Paul, locked up. And Paul's like, uh, he locks up with him. Terry goes, damn, light, lighten up, kid. You're being too stiff, right? And then Terry got in the ring and beat the shit out of him. I'm like, that was fun. That was interesting. You know? <laughs> that don't mean for real, but, you know, he was stiff, laid it in, whatever. Yeah. yeah. But I love Terry Fong. He worked with yeah. You know, for me, Probably a guy named Dave Shelton, who was the Russian assassin in WCW in 89. He tried to stretch me. It's the only time it ever happened. I don't know if he really tried to stretch me, but he put me in a move where I literally was ah, you know, like, a, like a sissy. You know, but he's the only one I can think of. That did, other than Tony Marino, who did it in training. I trained with Tony Marino for a while in the 80s. And if you thought wrestling was fake, Tony would convince you in two seconds you thought wrong <laughs> and that's just in training he had his school at a warehouse in tampa and he had the door open you know because it's a warehouse no no air conditioning this is wrestling school it's like the performance center uh and when someone would walk by the thing just walk by and they would you know, hear us all in there doing what we're doing they'd be interested and if he saw mark walk by there he'd take you to corner and beat the shit out of you i mean get you to just like laying in the forums and stuff <laughs> just so that mark thought that uh, I don't know if you ever met Tony Marino, uh, Mario, but what a great guy. And I remember we were sitting, we'd go to the, a restaurant, a local uh, Sambo's. It was God. Sorry if that offends anybody. That's the name of a restaurant. It's 2023. Get over it, folks. But we'd sit there, all of us guys sit there, and we'd naturally talk about the business and talk about wrestling and what we're going to do. And some guy in a booth next to us, go, oh, you guys wrestlers, huh? Well, that's just phony. And that's all Tony needed to hear. He's on his feet. You think we had to like hold him back in a restaurant. Yeah, it's good times. But he's gone now. Oh. But he was a legend. He, he was the guy. He played a character called Batman. I don't know if you ever heard of Batman, but he spelled it with <laughs> two T's in the 60s to avoid copyright infringements. <laughs> Mario cool. tried something similar. Yeah. Well, he, he wanted Vince McMahon to call him Super Mario. <laughs> and then Nintendo, he went, ah, you know, Nintendo's pretty powerful right now. Well, we'll do that. In, we'll do that in 30 years when they lose interest. They, they, he looked me dead in the face and said, I'm not, I'm not paying Nintendo. But we'll let Captain Lou be Super Mario. Yep. <laughs> yep. Yeah, yeah. I had a lot of good ideas, even for an action figure. He, he even liked it. Just never made it. I told yeah. my comes with um, a stretcher and an ambulance and two paramedics. He actually liked it. <laughs> yeah. They should have jobber figures. Why not? Everybody buy into that nowadays. To be honest with it, I can say it now. I signed a deal to get an action figure. We'll never see the light of day because, let's face it, the nukes are going to be dropped soon. Thanks, Putin. But it'll never see the light of day. But I signed the thing so wow. I can look back on it and go, oh, look, it says I officially signed it right there. It says it. Bob, I just have one question for you. Did you sign that with Ganya? Yeah. So that's why I said I'll never see the light of day. <laughs> well, you signed it too? Yeah. <laughs> I mean, I knew it was going to take a while because they supposedly had over 200 people and you can't do 
200 figures at once. And of course, the interest in a Bob Cook figures is, is about as much interest as this know, set of I tape has. I know, I know a guy that would make you guys figures. Oh, really? Yeah. A reliable guy. Well, I don't want to pay for it, so it's not that reliable. <laughs> I want to be paid. I know a guy that will make me a figure, too, for money. But I'm not that big a mark for myself. I'm a mark, but not for myself that much. I'd love to have an action figure, though. Why don't, why don't you, you know, buy... Why don't you buy a Mario Mancini one, Bob? And then Mario Mancini, you can. Oh yeah, Bob I see that. R Randy Hogan got a figure. We got to ask right here on this nationally televised show. Randy, does it come with a walker? Because if not, uh, I'm not buying it. Uh, it's a joke. It's a joke, Randy. He lives right up the road from me. It's a joke, Randy. Uh, he's in on it now too. Oh, that was. Yeah, uh, I, I can't. It's a joke, but it. In case he can't take a joke, I'm not fast, but I can outrun him. Oh, there I did it again. Oh, I don't know how I I didn't. I don't well, know. Now that you brought up Randy again, he he made up a good point when I was chatting to him. He said that he felt that he was a better wrestler than a lot of the top guys in WCW at the time, and he gave me an example by not naming him, but he said the guy with the rack. If you know who I'm referring to. <laughs> Well, let me just say this about that. There's a lot of guys who are delusional in life, and one of them is Donald Trump. But other than that, maybe Randy's in the, of that same vein. I'm just kidding. I don't know. Uh, I worked with Lex several times. He was always good and easy with me. I don't know. I'm not bad to say about Lex. Mm. But that's the case in everything, right, wrestling? That's, that was our job. They should have a, a Hall of Fame uh, spot for guys like us, the star makers, because a lot of guys in our era – Mario's area, they don't do that stuff anymore. They don't use the jabbers anymore. They just ridicule them online for being jobbers 25 years ago. But they don't use them anymore. It's a different business. You can't do it now. People say, why don't they bring back enhancement talent, man? Who would watch that? If you can't get people to watch the shows now with Star versus Star, you're not going to get them to watch them beat up Bob Cook or Mario, you know, French Mario, but they're not going to tune in for that any more than they are Roman against Cena live on the show, you know? But I forgot what I was talking about because I get I get forgetful. What was I talking about? Hmm. We were just talking about um well we I wanna, brought up the Randy I, I went off on a tangent. Sorry. Oh a lot of guys weren't uh as good as they were projected on TV, and that was our job to make them, you know look better. Yeah. Sometimes, I mean, I didn't, not, most of them didn't need my help. I did the best I could. I knew my position and I knew my place. I never had an ego. Uh, I never got depressed about losing like some guys did. Oh, I got to lose again. This is my hometown. No, you're in the wrong business. If that's your attitude. You know, yeah, nobody really wins or loses, do they? Right. Exactly. Yeah. I tell people that no one, that's why I tell people to say, yeah, I lost a lot of matches, but in reality, I never lost a match for real. And I never won a match for real. Now, don't get me wrong. I'm not a tough guy. If the Steiners really wanted to beat me up, they could have. But I played along for, to avoid that happening because I saw that happen when guys got – if someone made a mistake, they would beat them up, let alone if they tried something with them. So I knew better than that. I was trained better than that. You know, I was trained to be a professional. And I could tell a story. But, you know, I used to, if you want I'm rambling, I know. But you asked okay. me on the show. I didn't – anyways. Uh, <laughs> correct. Yes, correct. You're the guest. So, so but <laughs> – but in WCW, a lot of times they would have me be the guy who does the tryout matches. Like uh, Sean Waltman, who's been a friend of mine since he used to go to shows with me when he was a kid. Uh, but he had a tryout match in WCW, and he asked me to be the guy. But I would be the guy that would 
get a lot of the tryout matches. I got Buff Bagwell's tryout match and, and others. But there was this one guy, I won't say his name, but he came from the AWA. And, and most of the guys were really respectful, you know. And I went into the dressing room with Mike Graham and uh, Magnum TA, who were the guys giving the finishes that day. And they said, this is, to introduce me to the guy, and this is him, and this is Bob. And Magnum said, Bob's the one who should be trying out for a, a full-time full -time deal. But Because uh, yeah. Magnum was always cool to me. So was Mike Graham, by the way. But this guy was a real jerk, you know. And not respectful like the other guys. Like, you know, they're all, they'd be disrespect. There's a such thing as respect, right? I mean, and you, you know, I'm not talking to someone that don't got to kiss my butt or nothing, but don't act like you're above me, even if maybe you are. Don't act that way. But this guy was very disrespectful. And I went in a ring and I ate him up. Now, again, I'm not a tough guy, but if you're trained properly in the business, you're trained to go with the flow. You lock up with the guy. And back in those days, we didn't talk about much. You know, you, tell, you know the finish. You might go over a couple of simple spots here and then you need to talk about it in the ring. Where'd you hear but, that, Mark? <laughs> that's how i was taught and and that was the best way the, the only person in wcw i worked with that liked to go over the entire match was brian pillman who was a great guy and i love working with brian but that was the worst part about it because you get there and you got a 10 minute match with brian and he's telling you all the stuff you want to do and you go sit in the corner for three hours just going okay it was a headlock and a drop kick i don't know and and i forgot a spot in a match with brian once he's literally shooting me off the robes and as he's shooting me i say I forgot the spot. And I can hear him just before he's getting ready to release. He goes, it's, I don't know what the spot was, but it's just something like drop down leak prop, drop kick, get it again. And it came to me, you know, but anyways, this guy I, in WCW, I go in the ring and I ate him up. You know, you lock up. I took the headlock, took him over. It should have been his job to do whatever he wanted to do to escape. He'd do this. He'd come up. I'd drop toe him. I'd float to the head, get his. He'd give me a wrist lock. I'd reverse it, schoolboy him. He'd come at me. I'd drop toe him again, get back. I just ate him up and he never. He either didn't know enough to cut because if he would have cut me off and took the initiative, I would have went with the flow as 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 he did with me. And it was he was good enough to go with the flow, but he didn't. You know, I made myself look good, and I didn't make him look good because he disrespected me, and he didn't get the job. And no one ever got in my case about it because they could see who the not the brag, but in that case, could see who the better worker was. And if they knew right then and there that if this guy didn't know enough to cut Bob off when he should have. Because I didn't, I'm not just going to stand there and wait for somebody to cut me off. You know, it's their job to think. It, is, it really is a human game of chess before it became uh, choreographed and practiced in the back for three hours, like nowadays, and you forget it after five minutes. But like I go to shows nowadays and it drives me crazy. Guys will sit in the dressing room and go over their spots literally for two hours, or even in the ring before the fans get there, or even when the fans are piling in on indie shows, which is just pathetic. And then they'll go in the ring and still screw up. You know, it's crazy. But anyways, I just took the initiative and the guy didn't get his job and don't disrespect a loser like Bob Cut. <laughs> <laughs> or or be tough enough to <laughs> beat him up if he doesn't, you know, I don't know. I don't know. Steve Steve Curran said the same thing about even when he was in WWE when he was training the, the, the women for their matches on TV. They might have a six minute match and he said they'd be talking about it for three hours. I don't get it. They overthink it. And when you start overthinking anything in life, you usually screw up, right? Yeah. Yeah. I mean, the only thing Whatever you shouldn't overthink, I don't know, I'll, I'll leave that one alone. But nowadays wrestling, is, it, it's still as simple, as simplistic as it can be. It's good versus bad on its best day. You know, it's rivalries versus rivalries. It's feuds versus feuds, whatever you, however you want to describe it. And if that part ain't broken, don't fix it. But they seem to want to reinvent the wheel. 
and forget a lot of the traditions. No psychology. And I know a lot of guys, they complain nowadays about all the leg slapping, which it drives me nuts too, because people, it's one thing if you're slapping your leg on a, on a super kick, cause you want that, but people slap their legs on forearms. Now <laughs> they slap their legs on just about everything. But I, I always go back to say, look, slapping your legs. Yes. It, because it, you know, the worst part is you make it obvious. You could do it. Try not to make it obvious, but, uh, Chris Adams is the guy who really initiated the super kick fame back in the eighties. He slapped his leg every time. So, you know, it is what it is. But the thing is nowadays, everybody does super kicks several times in a match. Banned super kicks, not leg slaps. <laughs> True. Or learn how to be like the wizard, Jerry Lawler, who made your, like when he, when someone would punch him, I don't know if you ever noticed that, but when someone would punch Jerry Lawler, he would make their sound effect for them. If they punched him, he'd slap them on the arm or he'd slap them on the stomach, and it made the sound effect for them. I don't think I've ever seen anybody do that before where it, and do it so to perfection. Like, there's a match with Terry Funk where he's doing that, and, like, Terry's beating his head on the, like, punching him on the table, and every punch looks amazing and sounds amazing, but each time Terry punches, Jerry, Jerry's slapping Terry on the stomach real fast. I know it because I know what to look for because I I caught on years ago. It doesn't dissuade how I feel about it. Is that a word, dissuade? I don't know. It doesn't make me feel any different because they're the best workers in the business. But every punch sounded amazing, but it was all Jerry. Every single one. What did you think of Savio Vega coming back to TV last week? I know you worked with him before as well. Yeah, I thought it was great. Why not? I mean, you're in his hometown. And you, you got the biggest pop of the night almost. Maybe him and Carlito could fight over who got the biggest, but... I don't know if they'll get if they'll get anything beyond that, but it's it was a nice nostalgia. And from what I understand, the Bad Bunny kid who deserves all the credit in the world for what he did asks them to be part of it, which is cool because that shows that he has knowledge of wrestling history, which a lot of guys don't. Which is shameful. I'm pointing at you people out there that don't care about wrestling history. Pathetic. It's like if you went out. Like I was in a dressing room one time with someone and I, someone asked me, cause I'm known for having a good punch. That was what I was known for. According to, according to those internets I've read about, but guys would ask me, Hey man, how, what's the secret to a good punch? And I say, watch people that throw good punches. Watch guys like Terry Funk and Jerry Lawler, Jerry Lawler, who by the way has the greatest punch of all time because he did it several different ways. You know, most people have a punch, just punch one way and it looks good or it doesn't. But Jerry Lawler could punch, you know, roundhouses straight to the face, lefts, rights, uppercuts, and everyone looked amazing when he was on. But a guy asked me to dress him once about that, and I said, "Watch a guy like Dick Murdoch, man. He throws amazing." But a guy said, "Who's Dick Murdoch?" I really, it's like, I'm coming. I was like, I have a heart attack over there. Who's Dick Murdoch? You're in the rest. That's like being in a music business, and someone say, "Man, you should, you should, you know, dress like get that Elvis vibe." Who's Elvis? What? Or, or someone say, you know, you should be a movie star. You, you're a good actor. You should be in the movies. You should study Marlon Brando. What? Who's that? That's yeah. what it boils down to. And I'd be like, what are you, nuts? Yeah. I wanted to learn everything I could about wrestling when I not only was a fan. I bought all the old back issues from the magazines and from the 60s and whatever. I wanted to learn about the business. But if you're in the business and you don't want to learn, get out of the business. Yeah, Seriously. What was that? You never stop learning. You shouldn't anyways. No, I told it, I told my class last week. I go, listen, there's no one in the history of wrestling, the best wrestlers that ever entered that ring, if you asked them a question and said, 
hey, did you do everything you could? Did, did you learn everything you out you can possibly? Did you know everything? They'll say no. No, I didn't. You gotta be pretty arrogant to think you could know everything and can't take advice. That's just, I think a lot of the guys have that problem today. Is they're not willing to take advice or they're not willing to listen to it, or they might pretend they're listening and then just yeah, that's good advice, and then not you know think about it again. Right, and that's sad. That's why I wonder what the agents in wrestling are truly there for. And if anybody out there wants to hire me as an agent, I would love to be an agent. I couldn't be one of those guys that put matches together because I just that's. But I could be a detail guy. I'm not the greatest wrestler by far, but I know what I think looks good and what you could do to correct it. Like if I guys today have some of the worst punches ever and, and I would take them aside and just explain to them. First of all, if you can't throw a good punch, don't until you can. And if you never can, don't ever do it. And if you could do the triple moonsault, I guarantee you that didn't come to you overnight. You practice it, practice it, practiced it. And that's the same thing with punches. And you should take just as much pride in throwing a great punch that makes Johnny in the first row and Mary in the seventh row think you knocked the crap out of your opponent, but you didn't. As much pride as you do going through a table after three somersaults and almost breaking your neck. It's It should all be together, you know? It shouldn't be, like, neglected. I couldn't do a power driver very good, no matter how I tried. I only did it a couple times that I sucked at it. You know what I did? I didn't do power drivers anymore. Really? But this it's its not easy to learn how to go throw a good punch, but it takes practice like anything else. And like yeah. I said, watch guys, watch guys. And I have a saying, watch, copy, perfect. Watch guys that know what they're doing. Perfect it as you copy it and perfect it as your own. It's not easy, but it can be done. And I got another thing. <laughs> Anybody can be a professional wrestler, but proven on a daily basis. The hardest part about being a professional wrestler is, can you guess? Being good at it. <laughs> yeah. Any, anybody can do it, but being good at it, that's where the real niche comes in. <laughs> yeah, it's true. And being great at it. Well, forget about it. That's even. Oh, the Undertaker is taking them again. <laughs> that's like I tell the students. I go repetition, repetition, repetition. Right. But what do I know? I'm sitting here waiting for a Walmart delivery just so I can have hamburgers. So what do I know? <laughs> you two guys missed each other in the WWF, Mario. You were gone. Bob came in. Bob, I'm just wondering how the transition from WCW into the WWF happened for you back in the day. For me, it was easy because most of the guys in WWF when I went there in 95 were in WCW before. And you know, they were always, again, I was, yeah, just the jobber. But they all treated me well. And they all knew me and they were nice to me. Like, first day I was in WWF when Kevin Nash, he was he was the champion. He called me out of the dress. Hey, Bob, yeah, come here. He called me in the hallway. And he introduced me to uh, Tony Gurria and uh, uh, I think it might have been Chief, whoever. And he said, this is Bob Cook. He was with me in WCW as a hell of a hand. He can work with anybody he got. He didn't have to do that. And he probably has no memory of it, but I never forgot it. It didn't get me rich, but, you know, it, it's certainly a nice way to be inducted into, inducted, introduced into the WWF. Sure. And another another great thing in WWF, I wouldn't say great, but it, uh, it, it reflection on your trainer, I'll say. Killer Kowalski was there while I was there. And the first time I was there, worked for the WWF, they were calling guys in the ring, the new guys that had never been there before, to show them what they could do on TV. They're like, we want everybody to get in the ring and and to see what you can do, right? And 
Killer Kowalski comes up to me and goes, who, how long you been in the business? And I said, about 15 years. He goes, who trained you? He said, I said, the great Malenko. He goes, Malenko. Oh, hell, you'll be fine. Go sit down. I didn't have to go in the ring and show him what I could do, which was, I was like, yeah, that was good. Cause I didn't like doing that stuff anyways. I was never good at practicing or doing, you know, that kind of stuff. But I always thought that was a compliment to Malenko. Sure. So my advice to my advice nowadays, if guys, if someone asks you who you were trained for trained by, and you really weren't say somebody famous, that's no longer here to dispute it. <laughs> you know, like, yeah, I was trained by, uh, I was trained by a uh, burn gun or something. You just, Oh, okay. Because you know, nowadays, if you say you're trained by uh, whoever, you're not going to know who they are. Right. There's actually, there's actually YouTube videos of guys in their backyard showing people how to throw wrestling punches. Oh. Listen, it's like saying, yeah, how'd you do on the bar exam? I got the highest score in the state. There's no way to check it. Yeah, yeah, right. Oh, it <laughs> I don't know. I, I Well, I mean, I, I don't tell people this a lot, but I beat Flair for the NWA title in 84 at the Omni, but we don't talk about that. But there's no way to check it because there weren't cell phone cameras back then. It, wouldn't, it wasn't for TV, of course. But Right, 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 right. Of course. Of course. <laughs> Yeah, man, I, I miss the Chief. Were you able to talk to Chief a lot? Not a whole lot. Yeah, I don't I remember talking to him a whole lot. Yeah. I wasn't there that long. I was only there for a year. Thanks to Jimmy Backlund. He's the one who actually got me, uh, or Jimmy Del Rey, however you remember him. But he's the one who got me working WWF. Well, they, they, phased out, it, 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 they phased out jobbers. It wasn't your fault. Well, I, I quit before they did that. I just got tired of being on the road and hurting all the time. And now I wish I was on the road because I'm hurting all the time. Might as well be. Yeah. Did you ever have you any interaction? You, you can't win. No, he, he said hi to me a few times, but that was, it. I never, yeah. but he wasn't rude or anything. He was nice. He walked by. Nice. Thanks for coming. Whatever. You know, and no, I didn't, I didn't have any actions with Stephanie either. No, dispel the rumors. <laughs> Is, about, is, that a, is that a rumor? How about Pat Patterson? <laughs> nope, nope. Pat was always nice to me. I saw him at our, we did, they did a, they do a fan fest in Tampa. They're doing the last one in June, but Pat was brought in one time and he was great. Sat there with a bunch of the guys and fans in the lobby of the hotel we were all staying at. And he just tells stories and stuff. He was great. He was singing at the thing. I think he was, you know, karaoke or something. I don't know. <laughs> I wouldn't, I can't even sing karaoke when I'm drunk, which is very rare, but. Boy, Maurice, he must have really not liked me. Who, Pat? Yeah. He probably don't even remember me from my time in WWF. He was just, you know, I'm talking about the years later. I didn't really interact with him a lot in WWF, but he was not rude I, or anything. I was, I was always after him to freaking give me more bookings or give me push or. I'm glad he didn't like me too much. Well, yeah. yeah. Allegedly. I almost, got, I almost got in a lot of trouble one night because I was talking to him about more bookings and a push, and he gave me the standard answer he always would give me. He goes, Mario, I like you. The office, you just be patient. And he was walking away. I said, my ass isn't cute enough for you. He turned around and said, wow. <laughs> I got to say anything. He goes, no, Mario, what did you say? 
I said, I didn't say anything, Pat. He goes, you bet you fucking, hey, you didn't say anything. We was hot. You walked away. Yeah. <laughs> but you know what? He knew I was Chief's guy. Yeah. I was Chief's guy, so I, you know, I, Chief always protected me. It's always good to have someone like that. When I was in WCW, Jody Hamilton protected me in a sense. He never made me work with Vader, which is a good thing in case you've ever worked with Vader. He was the biggest jerk I ever met in my life. So not having to work with that stiff prick was a God, godsend, I guess. Is that the word? Godsend? I don't know. A blessing. Did you have bad interactions with him? Was it backstage or something? Well, everybody had bad interactions with Vader. He was a jerk. I mean, he hurt guys every single week, and he was constantly told to stop. For that, always, no reason, no reason. Right, right. I have a friend. His name, uh, well, don't matter what his name is, but he wrestled in WCW, and he had to work with Vader. And I actually saw guys see his name, their name against Vader on the little chalkboard they'd have, and they'd leave. They go, "I'm out of here," you know. <laughs> and uh, but this guy wrestled Vader, and this is a guy who traveled with me because what I did when in WCW. I was one of the guys that rented the vans or the cars and would bring <laughs> true story. Vader, I'm out of here. <laughs> you may be my father, but I'm not staying. I can see myself. Chief makes out the board and I see so and so feed me and see that. I go, yeah, fuck this. I don't even take my boots off. I just grab my shit, my car keys and I leave. Yeah. <laughs> But, oh, but, but, but he was, but he would hurt guys. I mean, he broke that guy's back. Oh. Uh, Joe Thurman, remember that? Mm. And I was there that night. I was the next match out and uh, I was wrestling Z-Man. Thank God. Cause Z-Man was like easy as could be. And Vader comes back after breaking the guy's back and he sits down on the floor and he's sitting there and he's crying. And I'm just sitting there thinking, is this fat piece of crap crying because he he actually hurt a guy or is he crying because he finally lost his job because they, they kept telling him to stop hurting people and he wouldn't listen. And, uh, is that why he got his eye poked out? Probably one of the reasons or wait, I, I wish, I wish to God I was there the night Paul under beat up Vader. I would have been like, Oh, Oh, this is fun. <laughs> that, was my, that was my guy there. Orndorf. Well, I loved him. Yeah. He was a great guy. He gave me a Paul driver. Street floor, match. Didn't her feel didn't feel a thing, right? No, that's the way it should be. No, but the people no. believed it. There's the secret. Yeah, they did. Well, that stretcher came out, boy. They believed it. Yeah, yeah. That's the way yeah. it should be. Go by. He big smile on his face and his arms out. Thank you, baby. Thank you, baby. Thank you, baby. <laughs> it's the best. It's the way it should be. Yeah, there's no reason why to hurt guys. There's there's no reason for that at all. Especially you know? because you're giving the guy your body. You're trusting him and he's trusting you as well. And it, it is it literally is a dance. And there's no purpose. To, if you want to hurt guys, get in a different business because that's not what wrestling is. You know, Maurice, there was a saying in the dressing room, you know, if, if you worked with a guy who was really good to work with, you had a great match, and he happened to look at you and go, how was it? You say, had the night off. Yep, you know? yep. The saying, had the night off. Yep. You know, you know. So um, that that's sad to hear. I'm, oh, about if, Vader? If I went out there with him and he, <laughs> I would have pitched the bitch. I would have pitched the bitch to to freaking the strongbow. Strongbow would have fucking 
reamed his ass. Yeah, the guy, the guy I was talking about when in WCW, I was one of the guys that used to rent a van or a car, and I'd bring four or five guys with me to the TVs every week. And I brought this guy. He he went with me several times, but he had to work Vader, and I was ribbing him, saying, "Oh, so you're working Vader? So uh, who should we? Uh, who who's the next of kin? We should tell you know when you're in the hospital, or you got a girlfriend, we should notify you know." Just messing with him, you know. And Vader comes in the dressing room and he goes, oh, okay, I'm working with you. Don't worry about a kid. It'll be fine. He goes to the ring, breaks his nose. It's a very, didn't even lock up with this. Punched him right in the face. Blood everywhere. You can see it's on YouTube. Comes back in the dressing room. The guy's laying on the floor, blood all over. And Vader comes in. He goes, hey, you'll be all right. Don't worry about it. He just walks away. Just a piece of crap he was. Now, he may have found God later in life when he became humble and old. But in my era, I'm going specifically by my era. And I only say how people treated me and how they were around me. I don't make up stories like some of these old cootie wrestlers who tell shoot stories that don't exist. Vader right. was a jerk in my era and to me and people like me, and not just me. I mean, he hurt everybody. He hurt Cactus Jack. He hurt Nikita Koloff. He hurt Steamboat. He hurt, I mean, he hurt everybody. So it's not just me, but I'm just, again, I'm glad I didn't have to work with him. And Jody Hamilton one time told me, he goes, I'm not going to make you work with that fat piece of crap. Jody's yeah. exact words. But get rid of him. He's that big of a draw. They wouldn't get rid of him. Exactly. They let him do it for years. Agents in the WWF, they would have they would have said something. You would think. Mike Graham actually saved me from getting beat up by Vader one night. He was coming back. They were coming back from a strip club they just got thrown out of. And we were all drinking. And I was coming back from a Waffle House. It said in Atlanta at the Ramada Inn where all the guys stayed. Or the boys, if you like to use the wrestling term. <laughs> uh, but... Um, I was coming back from the Waffle House, and Vader and Mike were coming back in, and and Mike's, you know, Mike was always cool to me. I've known him for years, and and hey, what do you guys do? Oh, we just got thrown out of a strip club, and I, oh, and they got in a fight at the strip club. Oh boy, I wish I was there. I would have been like the five. He's drunk, right? And Vader goes, "You want to fight?" He grabbed me, right? And Mike, like Leon, Leon, he's one of the boys. Calm down, calm down. This guy's just a jerk. And there was another time in a story I like to tell is that, you know, Harley Race was put with Vader originally because Vader was scared of Harley. Yeah. And they figured Harley was the only one that could control him. He better be. That's and, one right, exactly. But uh, what a lot of us guys would do with the jobbers, if you wrestling fans prefer that term, I would say lower echelon professional wrestlers, but that's just me. But uh, what, I, what us guys would do would go to buy the cheapest bottle of vodka at the local liquor store after the shows. And then go down to the bar, buy a drink, go back to the room and refill it. You know, cheap stuff rather than paying bar prices. But we would also sit, you know, in our hotel rooms and keep all our doors open and party from room to room. We had our bottle of vodka sitting in our room one night. And Vader comes walking in. He goes, oh, I'll show you losers how to drink vodka. He grabs our, my, our bottle, bottle of vodka and he guzzles it straight. And he passes out on our my bed. And this big fat piece of crap is just laid there. You know, I call Harley. It's like two in the morning. Uh, Harley, I really hate to bother you, but Vader's drunk and he's passed out in my bed. He goes, that son of a bitch. I'll be right there. Harley comes in. He starts slapping Vader around. Vader is like, what, what, Harley, what, what? And, and Harley is like, I told you to cut this crap out. You're going to get fired. You dumb son of a bitch. And he, I'm not kidding you. I swear as God is my witness. I'm not much of a religious man, so I can say those things, right? This guy has my witness. He grabbed Vader by the ear and dragged him out of our room. And the whole time, Vader, I'm sorry, Harley. I'm sorry, Harley. <laughs> and then later that night, after Harley went back to bed, Vader was downstairs in the lobby of the hotel raging. 
which one of you guys called Harley? Who called Harley? And we all like scatter like roaches with the lights on, you know, like, oh, <laughs> but I like telling that Vader story because it puts them in a good light. <clears throat> it's a good story. And people say, don't speak ill of the dead. Well, here's the reality of life. Humanoids. If you're an asshole in life, you're an asshole in death, and you don't get any type of reprieve for the way you were in life once you stop breathing. And that goes for you too, Buzz Sawyer. <laughs> That's uh, huh? He was stiff too. Oh, Buzz Sawyer. Well, he was a horrible human being. And his brother Brett. His brother Brett. Oh, Brett. Buzz Sawyer was a complete jerk. One of the between Vader and Buzz, you could actually probably have a like a toss up. Like I don't know. Today he was the worst. Tomorrow, you know, but. Brett's, Brett Sawyer will get on your case about it. Hey, shouldn't talk ill of the dead. My brother's not here to defend himself. Yeah, well, guess what? So what? If he wasn't a drug addict, he'd still be alive, Brett. And he was a jerk in real life, Brett, so he's a jerk in death. You fat fuck, I say it. And I'm sure this will get back to him. Because Brett was threatening Arn Anderson and The Undertaker, of all people, right? Five foot nothing, Brett, ha Brett, Brett, sorry, Brett, I didn't mean Brett Hart. I didn't mean to loop Brett Hart. It would break, even though they're both bitter. <laughs> I said that too. I didn't mean to loop them together. But Brett, uh, what was this? What did I just say? Brett, uh, Brett Sawyer was challenging The Undertaker. Have I ever seen Undertaker Arn Anderson? I'm going to, I don't know, for what they said about my brother, he's not here to protect him. Yeah, okay. Keep talking, Brett. Everybody's a keyboard warrior, right? Or now the podcast warrior. By the way, I'm a coward. So, Brett, don't don't come looking for me. I don't want to fight. <laughs> it's too fast. Don't be afraid to speak your mind. I, 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 got, I got hamburgers coming, Brett. I, I don't need to fight. Uh, it, listen, <laughs> 2023, that 911 is dialed so fast. There's no more closing the door. And, you know, let's <laughs> out and then later. That doesn't ex exist anymore. It, it, they dial that 911, man. Forget it. And if anybody out there is offended, I'd like to publicly apologize for saying those things about Brett Sawyer, Buzz Sawyer, and Vader. But they're true, so sue me. I got nothing anyways. Yeah, Maurice, this, there needs to be a part two. To part two to this for sure. But I, I, oh, I, I, we we I can always talk that. about something else besides wrestling. <laughs> no, he's got great stories. Man. He's got great I, I want. I wanted to talk about your pro wrestling tease store before we wrapped up today Ooh. and the and the line that you've been using on it, which and I quote is coffins don't buy themselves by Exactly. Exactly. That's true. <laughs> and Mountain Dew doesn't come here for free either. And I'm addicted to that. So let me have my Mountain Dew before I have my coffin. And if you buy more t shirts, I can have both. A nicer coffin, too. I don't just want a wooden box. I want something like with the inside. You know, I want it decorated. You know, I want it nice. I just don't oh. want a box. And Steve Kern, Steve Kern told me, don't ever get cremated. So we got to get a coffin. Got to buy those Pro Wrestling T-shirts. Go to Pro Wrestling Tees. Type in Bob Cook. Please buy the shirts. Please. You don't ever get cremated. I don't know. He told me that. Steve. Steve's a, a religious guy. And he told me that. Well, I'm not going to argue with him. I love Steve. I'm not going to argue. So, okay. Works for me. I can see Kurt's face. Don't ever get he, he has his reasons, and I will abide. Oh, God. The dude, the dude abides. Yeah. And if you know what that reference is, you know what that reference is. Steve Kurt is he, he's unbelievable guy, man. That was he's awesome. He's just awesome. 
I agree. He's both. There are there are there are many people in the wrestling business that I will never say a bad word about, and he is at the top of the list. Yeah, there we go. I, I can list them. I got Brian Blair. I love Brian Blair. I just got texts from him earlier. I won't say bad things about any of those people because they're awesome. I just saw we, you know, that, I can tell Mario that we, we were talking about jobbers, talking about Hanson talent. I don't care what a wrestling fan thinks of me. They can see me on all you know, on hundreds of times on YouTube getting beat every single time. Well, I did beat Joey Mags. That's on YouTube too. I did hurt him during the match, and I apologize for that, Joey. Rest in peace. He was a great guy, but. Was an accident. Did it on purpose, Vader. But uh, <laughs> but um, where was I going with this rant? I don't remember. Oh, people can say what they want. The wrestling fans can go. He's a loser. He's a job. He's an Hanson town. He's, he's whatever. But I have respect in my mind from some of the greatest. Steve Kern respects me. Brian Blair respects me, and that means more to me than anything that a wrestling fan could ever say negatively about me. It's the respect you get from your peers. As Mario said, as a good hand, as a whatever. Speaking of that, I know you want to go, but I was in the Jacksonville or the uh, Greensboro Coliseum, and I was working on Arn Anderson this particular night back in 1989. Yes, I'm old. But, and I always, when I went to dressing room, I'd always find a spot like in the corner somewhere out of the way. I just keep to myself, you know, and I was sitting behind these lockers. And Arn was dressing on the other side of the lock. I knew that because I actually walked in the dressing room and saw him there. Okay. It's, you know, I'm not a magician. But, and, and, and I heard Flair come up and he asked Arn, he said, who you got tonight? And Arn said, I got Bob Cook. And Flair said, he's a real good hand. And Arn said, yes, he is. That little bit right there means more to me than any overbearing, obnoxious, dipshit, mutant, moron, wrestling fan could ever say about Bob Cook or Mario Mancini or Randy Hogan with his goddamn walker. Oh, I'm sorry. I didn't mean to cuss. I didn't mean to say damn. Oh, I can't believe I did that. Uh, <laughs> I think I'm just, I'm just mess. I love Randy. He's a great guy. I'm, I'm just messing. This is gonna, this is gonna follow you around. And let's look on the bright side. Let's look on the bright side. We're old wrestlers. We're all gonna be using walkers eventually. Yeah, it's true. Just not as early as Randy did. Oh, there he goes again. What about, what about? We get you guys back in the ring next year in Philadelphia, Mania Week, and we do a walker on a pole match. Remember what I said about a gun and a, and a noose? I don't think that's going to happen. I'm done, brother. But, uh, just just get me at a convention where I can look down and go, I actually made money signing that sloppy autograph that no one can read. Oh, yes, I'll smile. <laughs> yeah, thank you. You know. So have you done any? I'll even pretend. I'll even go to the conventions and pretend whoever asked me to take a picture with them doesn't smell. I'll pretend. I'll play along. All Mario. for the good of the paycheck. Mario, Scott Wilder, fuck me. <laughs> Mario, you got to you got to tell him what you do at the conventions. You know, for the do you get? I'm being honest with you, uh, Mario. Be I mean, I'm asking you honestly. Do you get a lot of people that want your autograph and stuff? I, I, I broke a record in New Jersey, but I, I think it's because of guys like Maurice and, and Hannibal. Um, you know, I, I would do average. Uh, the first one I ever did 10 years ago really did, did a head job on me because I had a line. I'm like, nice. I was like, first time Mario Mancini's ever done a wrestling event because I never did one before. And I'm like, holy shit. And plus, I'm in the WWE Encyclopedia in three editions. So they come up, they want to sign the encyclopedia. And uh, uh, most of these guys, they don't come up to me because they want Mario Mancini to sign their encyclopedias because 
I'm a wrestler that they don't have a signature and they want to fill up the whole book. Yeah. So I can yeah. Mickey Mouse and they go, oh, Mickey Mouse is blank and he's here. Sign it. You know what I mean? So I'm not in the book, so I can't sign. So, but I, you know, I did really good in Jersey, but I'll tell you what, the last time the New England Pro Wrestling Hall of Fame ran 2019, I, I sat next to Tony Atlas after I looked at Tony Atlas, whose table was right next to me after six hours and I left and I went, didn't sign one. You know, I see that a lot in like the conventions I've gone to with friends. Like last year, I went with uh, a friend of mine to hang out with Kevin Sullivan and Andrew Anderson uh, just because they're friends. And I just go there to hang out and get out of the house because you know, I'm a recluse. I stay in a dark room about 23 hours a day. Andrew, Right Buck. now, right now, this is probably the longest the light's been on. Andrew. Buck. Yeah. Oh, I love Andrew. He's a great guy. Andrew. And Kevin. But I go there. I see all these guys. They brought in a guy named Mantar. And remember Mantar from WWF, that incredible gimmick where they wore the, the moose head or the cow head or I don't know. What nobody came up to him asking for his autograph. And I'm just thinking, look, I'm a nobody. He's a somebody and no one cares. Bring me in and I'll sit there and not. Here, I, when I went to WCW and they didn't use you, that rare occasion you look on the board and you're not being used. I was like, oh, that's great because they still paid you. So the whole point of this is. Pay me to come to a convention, and I hope I don't get a line because I don't want to. I don't want to interact. I just want the money. That's all I want. Somebody make me a nice, pretty sign. That's like take a, a take an old pic, take an old picture of me, and like dial it up a little bit. You got you know computer graphics. Make me look better than I ever did, which is going to be hard, but you can do it. That's not going to help you get booked by Scott Wilder. Scott Wilder. Oh. Back. He, he loves the dollar. I saw my, I saw Randy's post where he, I think he said he got to the thing. I think maybe it was that show where he was asked to go somewhere. And he had to sign autographs there in a room or something. And then he had to go somewhere else. And held it in New hey, Jersey. I'd do that in a heartbeat though for money. <laughs> held it in New Jersey. I think he did more money than I did. Right? Why yeah, not? He, he held it. He I'm all it. for it. But again, nobody wants to see Bob Cook. Uh, so have you, have you have you done one before, Bob? Yeah, I have done a couple, and it wasn't that it wasn't a great experience. So, okay, I was hoping you'd say no. And I didn't, go. but I, and I didn't get paid to be there. I did it out of favor to somebody. They always say, hey, "What do you want to come up and and do this for?" Oh, yeah, yeah. But now I don't even do it. I'm like, no, I, I embarrass myself going out and get the mail. That's why I wait till after dark. I'm not going to go to a convention and sit there with pictures and people walk by. Go, who are you? And I, I tell you a story again. I was actually at a show in Miami years ago, and I did that as a favor, right? I'm sitting, I got a couple of pictures, and one guy walked up to me, and he goes, yeah, I think I remember you were one of those jobbers, weren't you? And I just looked at him, I said, get the fuck away from me. Excuse my language, but I said, get the fuck away from me. And the guy's like, you don't have to be rude. And I said, you were just rude to me. Get the fuck away from me. And I stood up, and I said, look, you piece. I was really upset, because I know where my place was, but don't, you know what I mean? You know, it's basically like calling you a loser. It, well, it is, you know. I yeah, never heard the term jobber back. They didn't say that back in the day. The jobber's just here. You jobber here. They wouldn't call you a jobber. Paul Jones called us the guys who did the favors. The favor guys who want to thank you all for coming. Yeah, I mean, I got a, I got a t-shirt on Pro Wrestling Tees that says, yeah, I'm a jobber for the biggest effing wrestling company on the planet. Right, right. Yeah, you that's, know what, what I mean? that's what I would say to people if they say you're just a job. Well, who'd you wrestle? I right. wrestled all the. I wrestled legends. I wrestled for all. The, I wrestled on TV. So what if I didn't lose? I was there. Bob, that's why you say. Go. Excuse me. What, what channel can I catch you on? 
Right, right. Yeah, 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 yeah. You work for the two biggest companies in wrestling history. WCW. I played a, I played a pro wrestler that didn't win very often on television. I play a jobber in real life. Okay, yeah. <laughs> yeah we all, we're all jobbers at the end of the day. That's right. As long as you're not part of government, you're a jobber. Jobber. Yeah. My problem with government is I want to get in on the scam. I don't want to be the scammy anymore. I want to be the scammer for a change. Yep. Yeah. And I'll side with anybody that pays. Okay, I'm sorry. That's <laughs> no, all cool. Like it was uh, a pleasure to have you both on today, and I think we should do this again. We have to. Well, I don't have a life, so anytime. Yeah. And if I uh, offended anybody, you? if I offend anybody, I apologize. And if I didn't, I'll try harder next time because that's just how it works now, right? Come on. Maybe we got slide Randy in too. My favorite comedian is Don Rickles. Nobody could offend Bob Kirk. Oh my God. You know what? I'm so pissed because I probably watched every roast and I, I look for new material and I go, I already saw this. I mean, I got addicted to that one night uh, it, it, just late at night at home and I watched literally watched three hours of Rickles. He's the best. Well, I went and saw him with a friend not long before he passed away. It was like my bucket list. It's been four people in my life that have been like my heroes. Was Evil Knievel was number one. Muhammad Ali, Don Rickles, and Terry Funk are my two. My two. I just said four. Why did I say two? <laughs> I'm a jobber. I get hit in the head. It was fake, though, so don't worry about it. I'll get over it. But those were my heroes since I was a kid. Evil Knievel, five years old and beyond, you know, that. Don Rickles was the only person that my parents would allow me to stay up late at night and watch on television when I was a kid on school nights because they knew that's they wouldn't would be able to live with me if I didn't get to watch Don Rickles on the Tonight, on the tonight Show. Yeah. But those are my four biggest heroes, and just seeing him in person, live, was incredible. And he was as funny as ever. Yep, he he was hilarious. So and you couldn't so do his comedy I'm... now. Okay, go ahead. So, what I'd say is, pro wrestling tees fund these two men's coffins, and yes. Oh, and also, I was when I said wrestling fans are overbearing, obnoxious, pig faced bastards, and we sit there and plug my pro wrestling t shirt, hoping they'll my pro wrestling t store, hoping they'll buy them. I apologize, it was all a joke, it's all John Rickles jokes. Like Don would say, Look, we're here to love everybody, we're here to joke, we can joke about your color, your race, your whatever. We're all, we're all people, we're all human, it was all a joke. Buy the shirts, please. <laughs>